Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Remaking Industry Podcast today. This is going to be a fun one. We are chatting with Arlen Nipper. Arlen is the president and CTO of Cirrus Link, reaching us from uh, frozen Kansas, correct, Arlen? That is, that is correct. Frozen Kansas City. Oh, Kansas City. Okay. Holy smokes. Um, we were just chatting off, offline a little bit about some of the plunging temperatures out there. and Boy, it makes, uh, it makes Chicago seem like a walk in the park here. Um, this is part of our um, series of podcasts related to our uh, Insight webinar series, which is launching um, in spring 2021 um, with the uh, keynote presentation by Inductive Automation's Travis Cox. His presentation is uh, looking at launching an easier on-premises approach to digital transformation and using next-gen tools to create super data. Arlen uh, works very closely with Travis and the Inductive Automation team. They thought he'd be uh, able to lend some interesting perspective on all this uh, uh, stuff related to the world of uh, on-premises approach to digital transformation as opposed to alternate approaches. So Arlen, let's dive in a little bit. Um, give us a, a bit of your background, your role uh, with SiriusLink, and uh, your background with inventing MQTT. Okay, well, uh, I guess from a background standpoint, uh, I came out of Oklahoma State in 1978, so I've been doing one form of industrial communications or another for over 40 years. So I've got to see, you know, all the field bus wars. I was on the board of directors for the Heart Communications Foundation, mm -hmm. and one of the things that interesting that people don't realize is that Andy Stanford Clark was with IBM and, and I was with Arcom Control Systems and we invented MQTT on a project to help optimize Phillips 66's real-time mission critical pipeline control system. Okay. Now the reason was is AT&T got deregulated and if you think about our infrastructure in the 80s and the early 90s it was, it was typically four wire dedicated circuits. So all of a sudden this new TCP IP thing came out and we were able to leverage that, uh, take, taking big MQ and making little MQ out of it. And that's where the invention of MQTT came from. Now, from a SiriusLink standpoint, uh, the reason we started SiriusLink was to get MQTT kind of back to the original roots of where it came from in industrial solutions. Okay. And how has that, that solution evolved um, over the past couple of decades? Where are we at currently? Does it, does it bear any resemblance to, to what you guys created back in the day or is it completely um, transformed? Well, interesting, Chris, is that the MQTT spec uh, went from 3.1.0 when Andy and I released it in yeah. 1999 to now it, after it went through the OASIS Foundation and all the international standards bodies, it's now at version 3.1.1. Hmm. So absolutely, it hasn't changed hardly in 20 years. Uh, what's been interesting, though, in the last 10 years is the adoption by IT of MQTT. 
So if you look out in the world today, if you look at Azure, you look at AWS IoT, IBM Watson IoT, Google Cloud Platform, SAP Leonardo, they're all using MQTT in one way or another. Well, that's a, um, that's a validation of, um, of the, uh, the applicability of the tool and the fact that so little has changed over the time is a, is a tip of the cap to you guys, so interesting stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, this approach with, with on-premises um, approaches versus, you know, historical ways of, of coming at this. Um, and, and talk to me a little bit about your work with the inductive automation team on that front. Well, Chris, I always joke, right? Um, we started, you know, with IBM. And so for 10 years, I was kind of the poster child in flying around the world with IBM trying to sell uh, MQTT solutions, IT down to OT. Yeah. And I'm kind of here to tell you that didn't work. And so when we started Cirrus-Link, we were looking for a platform. And I always joke with Travis and the team is that had we had the inductive automation ignition platform when we first invented MQTT, it would probably be a lot more prevalent than it is today. But our approach has been, hey, you know, we can't solve the problem IT down to OT. Mm -hmm. We've got to provide OT, the tools and the technology to create an infrastructure that, that creates a better, faster, more secure, more available, more scalable OT solution first on-prem, but have it ready to plug into other applications. Have it ready to plug into enterprise backend. Have it ready to plug into cloud. But it's gotta be done OT out to IT consumers. It can never work the other way around. Is that mindset, um, do you find that that mindset has prompted ITOT convergence or that, that need has prompted ITOT convergence or is that mindset benefiting from a more organic marriage of IT and OT teams and approaches? I think both. I think, you know, the, the, one of the things that's very interesting in having this conversation is that we all know there's this notion of IT versus OT. Uh, in some organizations more than another. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that if I'm in a conference room and I've got, you know, the operational team on one side and the IT team on the other side, a, what's interesting is a very common denominator now is MQTT. Mm -hmm. MQTT in conjunction with the spark plug spec, the OT guys look at that and go, yes, we like that. That's good. It's efficient. It's doing what we need to do. It's kind of like, you know, Modbus, keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. But the IT guys are looking at going, hey, you know what? We know what message-oriented middleware is. We know how this works. So the marriage between the two and using a common transport, i.e. MQTT, has really helped converge IT and OT in those discussions. What, um, what's your take there um, on where we're at in, that, in the larger scheme in kind of a general sense with ITOT um, pairing and, and convergence and, uh, you know, a, a likening mindset between the two teams and the, the, a lessening chasm between the two teams um, in terms of like from a year ago today or from 10 years ago today or where do you see we're headed on that front? Uh, I, I, it's, it's really interesting. We started Sirius like a little over five years ago. 
and uh, Chris Houghton, my partner, and I went mm -hmm. to all of our existing customers, Phillips 66, uh, ExxonMobil, Chevron, uh, Plains Midstream. We said, have you guys seen or heard about this new thing called cloud computing and message-oriented middleware? And that was five years ago. And they go, Arlen, there's no way, you know, over our dead body, would we ever look at cloud? Yeah. Too, now, look at where we're being too vulnerable or, 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 or losing privacy or open to attacks or what? What, what was it? All of that. Just a lack of understanding on okay. what cloud was. So, to me, the progress in the last five years has been, if you look back, it's been incredible. I mean, people, everyone are looking at it. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to run to the cloud, and that doesn't mean that everybody's going to have some uh, IT application running on the plant floor, but now people are understanding that, yes, it is secure. They're understanding that, yes, it offers us services that are beneficial, but, yes, we still need a secure on-prem operational solution first and foremost. Okay. On that front, um, uh, the cloud computing front, the cloud computer front, um, Let's talk new capabilities. Um, you know, we just touched on kind of a new uh, appreciation or a new uh, willingness to explore uh, more cloud adoption. Um, but where are we at with that, um, particularly in terms of enabling, you know, an on-premises approach here? Well, I think one of the things that we've learned, Chris, in the last four years, we've been working with a lot of customers, you know, that, that point where the, the executives have had a meeting with, with the cloud computing executives, and they've come down and they said, okay, guys, we got to get all of our process variables up in the cloud. Yeah. And we did that, and we created products to do that. But what we're seeing, what we saw is that just taking a million pressures and temperatures off of the plant floor and throwing them up into a data lake isn't fixing the problem. It's no, just moving right. the problem. Right. Yeah. So what we're understanding is it's all about providing modeling. So the spark plug specification in conjunction with MQTT lets us take models from ignition and publish those models natively in the cloud services. So for example, Amazon has a new service called SiteWise. And SiteWise lets us create a model in the cloud. Then we can instantiate that model called assets. And then, then those assets have those measurements, those temperatures, those pressures, but it's all in context. It says that I've got a chiller unit and that chiller has a compressor and that compressor has a, a temperature on it and that temperature is zero to 100 degrees Fahrenheit and now I can deal with that and, and I can process that. And like I said, our job is to make operational tribal knowledge understandable by normal human beings. Yeah, yeah, otherwise it doesn't do any good, otherwise it's not actionable. Um, so explain to me this concept of modeling. Is it, a, is it akin to, to a digital twin in terms of, or is a digital twin more of, of a model of, of an OT asset where a model in this respect is kind of a representation of, of performance? Well, you know, uh, Chris, the, the, the whole term, I haven't really wrapped my head around this notion of a digital model yet. It's kind of like, uh, if you ask 10 people what IIoT is, you're going to get 15 different answers. Sure, sure. Um, no, my notion of, of a model is, you know, and 
you know, I've been in so many organizations. Again, I was in the, the Heart Communications Foundation where we, we built models and man, those were strict and therefore you had to have this, this enumeration for units and you had to have these temperatures and you had to have these pressures. And that never worked. That you, you could argue, I mean, you know, there's no broad adoption of any one model. So if I am an engineer on the plant floor, I know my process. So if I can create a UDT in ignition and then instantiate that in a model in, in Azure or in AWS and then work off of that, then I am light years ahead of my, like you said, making the data actionable mm -hmm. and having people understand. One of the things that I point out is that our industry is awash in enumerations, right? You have a zero means this and a one means that and a two means this. And operations all understand that. Now I pump these enumerations up in the cloud and they go, Arlen, what's the zero mean? Well, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to look up the model of that equipment and you get my point, right? Yeah. So with the modeling ability and ignition and spark plug, I can actually create string tags that are enumeration blown out so that if I'm on a pipeline and I'm on an orifice meter and my reference material is enumeration zero, I'm gonna create a tag that says stainless steel. Mm -hmm. If it's a one, I'm gonna create a tag that says it's Monel. So that when it gets up to people looking at the process, they go, oh, I get it. Yeah. That means that that's a stainless steel orifice meter. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's critical in that it's, it's adjustable enough to be germane to, to each environment in which it's applied as opposed to being so rigid that it's you know, impossible to use by anybody, essentially. Ditto. Yep. You got it. Um, let's back things up a little bit. Um, let's look at the larger world of um, data management with industrial assets. Um, where are we at? Where are we headed in the next uh, year, five years? What's, uh, what unique challenges are we encountering? What opportunities are emerging in terms of, you know, as we mature into this world of data analytics? Um, where are we going? Well, one of the things I'm seeing is that up until recently, because of my notion, right, uh, we come from 40 years of trying to take register value pairs and make them mean something. And that means that there were a lot of companies that created data ops, right? They, they helped you manage your assets. So you had one system was doing your SCADA and then you put another system on top of it with, with data ops and you put a, another system on top of that. and we were spending all of our time just trying to take care of our tag naming and our, our tag conventions. So one of the things I'm seeing now is that again, with the ability to create a model, to give it attributes, now we're starting, I'm starting to see SCADA uh, and, and, and MES and data ops merge together huh. where we publish one model that covers all of our operational needs as well as our data ops or asset management needs. I think that's going to be huge going forward. Interesting. Um, last question for you, Ireland. It's the obligatory um, pandemic question here. Um, how has the pandemic affected the world of cloud computing uh, and, and changes that we've experienced in the last, boy, 12 months now, nearing that? Um, do you find that these responses um, that we've been forced to make um, will be, uh, will, will remain in place henceforth, or are we going to return to a, a, a pre-pandemic way of, of doing all this uh, IIoT, digital transformation, industry 4.0, cloud computing, data analytics stuff? 
Well, it's funny, Chris. Uh, literally, just about a year ago this month, I had just come back from the Chevron IIoT Guild meeting in Bakersfield. Yeah. Literally, you know, I was just flying back and, and uh, Phoenix Airport was just, no, you know, we were all being told, oh, you better wear masks and stuff like that. So literally 12 months ago. Yeah. Um, in, that, in that meeting with, with Chevron, we were talking about how to better leverage their stranded data. Uh, how to leverage a uh, new LoRaWAN networking capability, how to take advantage of uh, AWS and Azure cloud computing. So although I think the pandemic has maybe made us accelerate that yeah. and made us look at how we can do things better, more efficiently, um, you know, I'll also note here, you know, until the pandemic, I was on all these Zoom meetings, but nobody ever turned their camera on. Yeah. But everybody turns their camera on today. Yeah. And I think we're going to, that's not going to change. And I don't think the approach that we're taking for digital transformation and companies wanting to improve that and better coordinate their IT OT together, I don't think that's going to go away. Yeah. Uh, a silver lining, perhaps, with uh, this challenging year that we've encountered. Um, very interesting stuff. Um, if you want to dive deeper into these concepts, we invite you to join us on April 9th for the um, kickoff keynote of our Insight webinar series. The focus is launching an easier on-premises approach to digital transformation and using next-gen tools to create super data. That is with Travis Cox of um, Platinum Sponsor Inductive Automation. But today here, we wrap up with Arlen Nipper, President and CEO of CirrusLink. Thanks, Arlen, for joining us. We appreciate it, as always, you sharing your insights. Thanks, Chris. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and we appreciate the uh, listeners who joined us here today. As always, we remind everyone to go out and make it a smart day.